0: Well, good morning, everyone. As already been stated, this is uh, this is uncharted territory for us, as well as for you all. Uh, I just want to give you a little assurance here at the beginning that God is still on His throne, and the church is still alive and well. Uh, we thank you for joining us online this morning. Uh, we've been in a series about decoding faith. We're going to put that aside for this week and kind of address the uh, ongoing situation, and we're titling this c- calm. And I thank uh, Max Lucato for this acrostic that will hopefully help us be calm in the midst of the chaos that surrounds us. So I'd like to pray with you all first before we dig into God's Word. Father God, thank you. It is a privilege to be here and share with you, uh, share you with these folks that are watching. We thank you for this technology that allows us to do this. Uh, thousands of churches are doing it this, this morning. And God, you're in this, and we, we are excited to, to, to see what you're going to do and, and watch you work. Uh, just direct these words, let them honor you, let them speak, not just to our heads, but to our hearts. And we thank you in Jesus', Jesus precious name, amen. So as I was thinking about the present situation, and uh, I've been around a while, so it made me kind of think a little bit about the 80s when the AIDS, AIDS epidemic hit and people were afraid, they didn't know how you would catch this, and at that time it was fatal. And so that was, that was a scare. And then, of course, 9-11 in 2001, uh, this invisible enemy uh, that hated us as a nation and and thousands of people were killed and, and people were full of fear. And then in 2008, the stock market crashed and people's uh, financial security was threatened and there was much fear. And this has kind of been like a combination of those three things. And so now we're in this situation of mass chaos and fear and anxiety and, and worry. And we're going to kind of use those words all simultaneously this morning. Uh, we do have an outline, you can access that um, on, uh, <clears throat> um, through the prayer list on, on the internet, and of course it'll be on the screen as I'm teaching this morning. So I, so I want to start with this, anxiety is a flood of what-ifs. So there's a lot of anxiety now because there's a lot of what-ifs. You know, what if I catch this virus, or what if my loved ones catch this virus, what if it is fatal for one of us and what do I do in the meantime and what's going to what's going to happen to my my financial uh, stability and, and comfort. Um, amazing statistic to me <laughs> 50 million Americans suffer from anxiety, uh, anxiety disorder every year. Uh, number one cause of women uh, second number, uh, major cause among men We are the most anxious nation in the world, yet the most prosperous. Mind-boggling, it's hard to believe. Now, some of this anxiety, obviously, is is clinical. It's psychological, it's uh, physical, and there are medical professionals to help in that situation. But for many of us, that's not the case. So what is a major cause of anxiety? And I'd like to pinpoint it in one word, and that's the word change. So we're in untrutted territory. This this has never happened in my lifetime, uh, if ever. So things are changing so rapidly, and we don't know the future. And so what if? And sometimes if you're Jesus' follower, most of you probably are. If you're not, we're so delighted that you're watching. But if you're a Jesus follower, sometimes we think we're exempt. Uh, This shouldn't touch us, but it does. And then on top of that, sometimes we feel guilty because we think we should be exempt, yet I'm still anxious or still afraid. And so it becomes a kind of a downward spiral. I'm afraid, so I feel guilty that I'm afraid, so I'm afraid, so I feel guilty that I'm afraid. So let me just say this to you. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable. There's so much change. There's so much unknown. There's so what-ifs. That's unavoidable. But the prison of anxiety is optional. Now, what are some signs that you're in the prison? Do you laugh less than you used to? Are you more negative than you used to? Are you complaining more than you used to? And I like to just say this. I kind of think that most of us are just plain weary of worry. We're just tired. And the situation is not ended and it's going to go on for some more, t- more time. We don't know. and We just get weary of being anxious. So get help. if It's a medical condition. But for many of us, is there a cure? And I like to share with you God's Word, about a potential cure. And we're going to look at something by a guy by the name of Paul wrote. He was a Jesus hater and then became a Jesus follower. And his mission was to start churches in the first century, uh, all the way from Jerusalem, all the way to Rome. And after he'd start these churches, he would write letters back to them. And one of those letters he wrote was, we call Philippians, it was to the church in Philippi. Now we need to understand that Paul in this time of writing this letter is probably maybe in his 60s. He's been planning churches for maybe 30 years. He's getting old. He's in prison. And if you read his life history, he's suffered shipwreck. He's been stoned and left for dead. And now he's in prison and most likely waiting to be executed. With that Physical circumstance, Paul is writing this letter, and this letter is full of optimism. Not better than optimism, full of joy. And so we're going to follow our acrostic through this passage. It's actually in the fourth chapter. And this first verse is verse 4. It's special to me because I preached my first sermon many years ago from this text. So the C in calm stands for celebrate God's character. Celebrate God's character. Now, Paul is going to say it this way. Always be full of joy, not just any joy, but joy in the Lord. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And he, he reiterates it, and I say, I say again, rejoice. This is an instruction, this is a command, and we think, well, that's impossible. How do I do that? Uh, I can't obey that. He said, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Now, it's sometimes hard to be considerate when we're anxious and full of fear. So, let everybody see that fear doesn't control you and I. He says, remember, the Lord is coming soon. And so, this too, too, too shall pass. Now, this joy that we're talking about here is not a feeling. It's a choice. It's a decision. And it's based on our belief system. Now, your and my belief system is the answer to the anxiety, fear, worry that you and I have. We stand or fall on our belief system. We might say it this way. Belief always precedes behavior. So I am anxious now because of something that I believe. Now, chaos does produce anxiety. So, what is your belief system? Came across a fascinating study. In World War II, they did a study of foot soldiers. And they found that after 60 days of constant um, fighting, constantly being in fear that the next moment I could die from from an explosion or a gunshot or whatever. After 60 days, these soldiers would become emotionally dead after 60 days. On the other hand, fighter pilots, they found that 93% of the fighter pilots were happy with their role in, in, in war. That's knowing that 50% of them would be shot down and killed. So how could they be happy, contented, with a coin flip of a chance of dying? And here's what they discovered. And I put it on your outline. Perceived control creates calm. The fighter pilot controlled his guns, he controlled his airplane, he had perceived control, so he was calm. The foot, soldier, on the other hand, lacked control, so it created fear. Now we don't have control of the future, do we? So what do we do? Do we try and become control freaks? You ever met a control freak? Are they calm? No, because they're trying to control the uncontrollable. And that's what you and I are trying to do. Control the uncontrollable. So rather than trying to seek control that's not even possible, rather than seeking control, I believe God would tell us to relinquish it. To give it up. Again, God is on His throne. He is in control. So my belief system, my personal belief system is, God can be trusted 100%. Now, first, I have to believe there's a God. Secondly, I've got to believe He's in control. And thirdly, I've got to believe He's a good God. Because if He's in control and He's not a good God, (laughs) terrible things can happen to me. If He's a good God but not in control, He can't control and make good things happen to me. So, if we want to be calm, we need to celebrate God's character, that He's loving, He's all-powerful, omnipotent, uh, He's sovereign, another word, and that He's a good God. The A in our acrostic of calm stands for ask God for help. Ask God for help. Paul writes it this way, don't worry about anything. Again, another instruction, another command that seems impossible to obey. Don't worry about anything. Not anything. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's, there's an option. There's alternative action. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. So I think what he's telling us is here is to shape your prayers according to your Fear or worry or anxiety. So you're anxious about getting the virus? Then ask God to keep you safe and healthy. Are you anxious for your finances? Shape your prayer around that anxiety. Are you anxious for your loved ones? Shape your prayer around that anxiety. Are you concerned about our nation? Are you concerned about our world? Are you concerned about the church? Are you concerned about uh, the cause of Christ around the world? Missionaries, uh, some of the missionaries who caught the virus, shape your prayers around your anxiety. And here's the truth I want to share with you. Worry makes us the parent rather than the child. Oh, Pastor, what are you talking about? <laughs> As a Jesus follower, what is my role? God's the Father. Father. I'm the child. Now, I'm a parent, of four children, and when they were small, they didn't worry about anything. They were in a loving home. We provided us food, shelter, uh, comfort, uh, and all this thing, so that my children could just go ahead and play and have fun, and no worries, no anxiety, no fears at all. And I'm not all powerful, I can't control everything. It's funny to me, they bring me broken toys and expect me, they just had this faith that I could fix anything. Obviously, I couldn't. So, when I begin to worry, I'm trying to take on the role that's not mine. I'm trying to be the parent rather than the child. So, ask God for help. The L in our acrostic of calm stands for leave your concerns with God. Leave them with God. And Paul writes it this way, and thank him for all he has done. It's an interesting dynamic that comes with thanksgiving. It's hard to be anxious and thankful at the same time. Came across a <laughs> funny story, a couple that went to a wedding, they didn't really know the couple that well, and they wanted to buy him a practical gift, and I've never received this as a wedding gift, but they bought a fire extinguisher for this couple. And if they didn't have one, everybody should have a fire extinguisher in their home. And so later on, they get their thank you note from this couple, and it said, well, thank you so much for your kind gift, and we are looking so forward to the first time we get to use it. Obviously, they were writing generic thank you notes, because hopefully they never had to get to use it. Thankfulness is a cure for, for people that are just complaining. We use the word whiny. You just whine about this and whine about this and complain about this. Um, sure, you can complain about what's going on, but you also can be thankful uh, for lots of things. Thankfully, you get to live in this country. We've got the best medical care in the world. So if you get sick or some of you, when you get sick, Uh, You can get the best care possible. You can be thankful for uh, knowing Jesus, for the fact that the church is alive and well. The list is endless. I'm thankful for this opportunity to share God's Word of encouragement with folks. It's interesting, this famous Scottish preacher always started his his, uh, preaching, his sermons, with a prayer of thanksgiving. And so the congregation was really anxious and, and curious this one Sunday morning because it was just horrible weather. It was just cold and rainy and, and I couldn't imagine what the preacher was going to thank God for this morning. And He began his prayer, thank you God, and it's not always like this outside. So even in bad weather, we can be thankful because it's temporary. In fact, everything's temporary. So we need to leave our concerns with God Um, joy talking about joy the joy of living comes from a heart of thanksgiving Paul could have joy in prison waiting execution how could he do that Well, he could be thankful for the life he had he could be thankful for the church he planted he could be thankful for the people he, he brought to life spiritual life And you and I have so much to be thankful for. I'm thankful for this technology that I can be sharing with folks that are home. Encouragement from God's Word. So leave your concerns with God. Have a heart, spirit of thanksgiving. And then the M in CALM stands for meditate on good things. Notice the list of things that God, uh, Paul God, Paul, God through Paul uh, shares with us here in verse 8. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. It's the end of his letter. Fix your thoughts, meditate, think about these things. What is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and think about things that are worthy of praise this old computer adage: uh, "Garbage in, garbage out." So, what are you and I putting into our mind? In fact, what's coming out of our minds? How we think and the attitudes that we have. So, take some time to examine what's going in here. And I've encouraged you, since most of us have more time than we normally would have. Hopefully, it's more time you can spend in God's Word. There's nothing better (laughs) to put in here to have the best to come out. And again, this is a choice. We all decide what goes in. We can make these choices. So be careful. Examine what we are actually putting in here. So Paul then tells us the benefit of following these Steps in doing these things. This would be in verse 7 and, and verse 9. He puts it this way. Then, if you do what I've just said, <laughs> if you do those things, then you experience God's peace. Now this is different than, you know, peace, uh, lack of war, that type of peace. This peace exceeds anything you can understand. I would describe it as a gift. This peace will guard your hearts and minds. It'll guard your hearts and minds from the, that fear and worry and anxiety. As you live in Christ Jesus, now this is something you have to experience it to understand. Hard, it says it's kind of hard to understand, hard to explain. I thought about it this way. My wife and I had this privilege uh, this, last year, the week after Easter, to going to Israel. So we Got to go to Jerusalem, we got to walk around the old city, we got to stand on the Temple Mount, we got to go up north to the Sea of Galilee, rode a boat across the Sea of Galilee. We walked where Jesus walked. We saw what Jesus saw. Now, when I read God's Word and I I read where Jesus was here or He went there, I can picture that in my mind because I've been there, I've experienced it. you and I, once we've experienced the peace that God gives, I can't really explain it to you, but it's peace even even now. I'm not anxious and full of fear because I have a strong belief system and I experience the peace that only God can give. And then in verse 9 he says, keep putting into practice, keep doing these things. Keep Turning your anxieties into prayer. Keep being thankful. All, all that you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me, and saw me doing, this is important for those of us that are Jesus followers, then the God of peace will be with you. I'll put it this way. I think Paul is saying to us, follow me as I follow Jesus. So it's critical that you and I, as Jesus followers, that we follow Jesus, so Others can follow us. That we can exhibit that extraordinary peace, supernatural peace, that other people are going to want, and we have it. Reminding me, go back, it goes back to my seminary, seminary days in the 70s, I had a friend that said, hey, I want to listen, to listen to a sermon. It was on a vinyl record in the 70s, this sermon. It was titled this, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. He was talking about the Friday that Jesus was crucified. That day, the church, Jesus' followers, lost all hope. Their Messiah was dead. All hope was gone on that Friday. But three days later, on Sunday, Jesus rose from the grave, conquered death, and allowed you and I to have a personal relationship with God through faith, in Him. And so, it kind of feels like Friday, doesn't it? There's not a lot of hope, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. And I want to just share this word with you. Friday's coming. There's going to be an end to this. God is going to do something fantastic. So, let's review our calm. And Why don't we say it together? You can say it with me at home. Celebrate God's character. Ask God for help. Leave your concerns with God and meditate on good things. I want to end with this story. I want you to imagine that you're about a 10-year-old child and your father's an orthopedic surgeon, world-renowned orthopedic surgeon. He fixes people's joints, hips, knees, ankles, etc., People from all over the country come. You're a 10-year-old child. You don't really know what your dad do. You? you know he's a doctor. He goes off to the hospital. So one day you're, you trip on the steps and you sprain your ankle. And it just swells up like a balloon. I've had this, I've had this done. It's in so much pain. And you've got either a, a, a dance recital or a, a, a big sporting event like two weeks out. And, and you're thinking, oh, this is it. This is this is the end. I won't be able to dance. I won't be able to compete. Uh, you know, my ankle's swollen. Uh, nobody can help me. All my all my hope is gone. And so you, your dad gets home, and you you tell him, I, you know, I, I I can't compete. My ankle's swollen. Um, you know, there's no hope. The future's bleak. And your dad says, No, it's not. You said, Yes, it is. Your dad said, No. Said, oh, I, I don't believe you. So the next day your dad says to you, Hey, I want you to go to work with me. So your dad takes you to the hospital. You go in his office, he's got all these uh, degrees on the wall and all these awards he's won on the wall. Huh, that's interesting. Then he lets you watch us watch a surgery where he repairs a broken ankle. And a nurse is sitting beside you say, Your dad is the best. And so riding home with your dad that evening, you say, uh, Dad, do you really think that I'll be okay in 2 weeks. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll I'll doctor you and, and you'll be able to compete in 2 weeks. Now, the day before you had no hope. Now you do. What was the difference? You understood and trusted. In this case, your father that he would take care of the problem. So are you troubled this morning? Think that there's no hope for the future? Are you trusting your father? As we say it sometimes, that he's got this. He's not surprised. And again, I believe he's truly got something special in plan for the church and for this world. We always leave... With a think about, here's what i want you to like you to think about this week. And by the way, we're also going to supply our discussion questions that we normally give to small group leaders. We're going to supply them for everyone so you either individually or as a family can discuss what we talked about this morning. So here's my challenge for you this week. Dare, I dare you, double dare you, to believe God is who He says He is. So I'd like to finish our time together this morning with a prayer. we We'll try and keep in touch with you through this week with some words of encouragement and hopefully be able to join you again next Sunday. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, you are sovereign. You are omnipotent. You are all-powerful. You are good. You give us grace and mercy. You don't give us what we deserve. You loved us enough to send your son Jesus to die for us. the conquered death. So we can have forgiveness of sin and spend eternity with you. And Father, first and foremost, we want to pray for anyone that's watching, that is listening, that, that doesn't have that assurance. They're full with fear and guilt and shame. God, that you want to just take that from them, we want to lift that off of their shoulders and, and nail it to the cross. So, for those of you without Jesus, we would encourage you to pray that prayer, God. I, I believe. That's all you have to say. I, I believe, Jesus, accept, accept me as one of your children. If you've made that decision, we just please contact us somehow, uh, so we might uh, celebrate that decision with you. God, in the world is so full of fear and worry, and anxiety, um, But we do not go through life like others. We don't need and should not be. In fact, we're commanded not to be. Full of fear and worry. That we are to turn those into prayer. Trusting you, God, that you are loving, meaning you have our best interest. And that you can work good, actually great, even from the worst circumstances. So, God, I pray for everyone listening. I pray for our community. I pray for our country. I pray for our world. That in this Time of chaos, can't think of any better word, just chaos, that you will be made known, that people will turn to you. They will find the true meaning in life. It's not in financial security or the stuff we accumulate, but it's in in trust in you, the Almighty One. God, we don't know what's ahead, but you do, so we're not afraid. You've got it. Um, We are your children. You are our loving Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.